1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, February 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortlaro here with you up until... One o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Speaking of one o'clock today, that is the trade deadline in the NBA. If you missed it, the Suns have been involved, and there is an update here as we had discussed it. So originally, uh, we had the news about uh, Memphis sending David Roddy to the Suns for a pick swap as part of a three-way with Phoenix and Brooklyn and the Suns picking up Royce O'Neal and Roddy. Uh, to make all of the... Uh, 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 finances work, there was going to have to be players moved for the Phoenix Suns. Sham Sharinia is reporting here that Memphis is expected to acquire Utah Wanatami from the Suns as part of this three-team trade. The Suns are sending out three other minimum salaries, which includes Keita Bates-Diop, Jordan Goodwin, and Metu. So those are the players involved uh, in this trade to make it all work. I actually think Bates Diop has had some good moments for the Suns. I don't think the Suns really have uh, a whole lot of, uh, well, let me rephrase that. I don't think that any of the guys that are leaving here, according to that report, are uh, players that really could help them when it matters in the postseason. They're, they're guys that shouldn't even be playing on the postseason roster. Uh, so that's uh, the latest there regarding the Phoenix Suns. Uh, let's reset the scene here quickly with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Super Bowl 58. So who do you have in the Super Bowl? Kansas City plus two, San Francisco minus two. This has been up since Monday. We'll officially provide our answers to the question on Friday. There has been a big shift here, though. San Francisco now minus two at 57% of the vote. Kansas City at plus two sitting at 43% of the vote. So we'll uh, touch on that another time in the 1230 segment. Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, should the Suns be interested in trading for Hornets, Miles, Bridges? I think we can probably say that that's not going to happen now that the trade has uh, taken place for Royce O'Neal and Roddy. Uh, but the masses remained in an undecided uh, split between yes and no. I tried to look it up here in the last hour or so since we talked about this at the top of the last hour a little bit. I can't find the contractual thing. I do. Some of these things are not always complete. I can't find a th- anything in there at all in his contract that he has a no trade clause. 
Yeah, I do know that post-game uh, he was asked about whether he wanted to stay in Charlotte and his sentiments were that he did want to stay and that he was really appreciative of the organization sticking by him after all of his off-the-court issues and that this was the place that he wanted to be. Uh, and then I believe I inaccurately attributed it to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. It was Brian Windhorst that had said that uh, he had informed the team that he would not uh, he would not accept a trade. So that's that's all I know. Yeah, well, I don't think he has any power to veto a trade. So I'm not sure where that story comes from. Uh, we will officially answer the question, though, at around 1230 today. A.J. Perez around 1215 from Front Office Sports will dive into how things are going in Las Vegas. Some more uh, media updates from around the world of the NFL. So we'll do that with A.J. around 1215. Continuing our college hoops conversation, in the previous hour we had talked about uh, the Pac-12, ASU, and U of A. We had also touched on the ACC uh, continuing on with the Big 12 play, the locks, I think at this point, are Houston, Kansas, Iowa State, and Baylor. Now, I'm curious to know what you think about BYU here as they're projected as the number six seed, but they just are coming off of a 16-point loss to Oklahoma. Yeah, they've been really good at home, not so good on the road. First year in the Big 12, I think they were really overrated before conference play began because of some non-conference victories, mostly at home. Uh, they're a very good offensive team. They also they have a lot of depth, and they, they're they like one of the most experienced college basketball teams. And it'll you know, take that a step further, not just experienced guys, Pretty much everybody was on their team last year when they were still in the uh, West Coast Conference are back. I believe it's 11 of their top 12 guys or 12 of their top 13 guys, and they play a bunch of dudes. Uh, so they have that going for them. Uh, you, BYU will be uh, at least at least right now, um, the way I'm looking at the tournament and how I'm going to go about this, at the, at the moment, and I can't really imagine how this is going to change tremendously or greatly in the next you know, month or so, they're a team I'm going to be looking to play against early in the tournament. Uh, sticking in the Big 12 here, what do you think about Texas Tech? They have lost three in a row, but we constantly reference how strong of a conference the Big 12 is, so those losses can happen. However, Tech's opponents are rebounding 40% of their own misses over the course of those three losses. Well, a couple of those games were against two of the best rebounding teams in college basketball, no matter what conference it is. But, uh, yeah, once again, they're a team that is tremendous at home, not so good on the road. And uh, so uh, the Texas Tech is another. You're going to hear this. I'm, I apologize for this because I try to at least we're sitting here in the you know, first, you know, what is February 8th? And, you know, the selection Sunday is like basically a month ago, a month away from now. And usually I have a pretty good opinion, at least I might be wrong about these opinions, but at least I have a pretty good opinion of what I think of teams. Uh, there's a whole bunch of teams this year that I'm not sure what I think of them, and Texas Tech is uh, one of the ones that fall into that category. 
We just had AJ Perez call in, so let's go to break right now, and then we'll come back with him on the other side of the break. Once again, AJ Perez from Front Office Sports set to join us here in the extra point, getting his perspective on all things happening uh, in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58, Roger Goodell, uh, other things that have been taking place in terms of the media and the direction that we're headed. So we'll pick his brain with all of that on the other side of the break. It is the NBA trade deadline as well. Uh, that's one o'clock local time. And if you're just tuning in here, the Suns are active here. Uh, they've brought in David Roddy as well as Royce O'Neal. Uh, Utah Wanatami is going to the Grizzlies and Kita Bates, Diab, Jordan Goodwin, and Metu are all being uh, sent out as well to match all of the salaries that are coming back. So that's the latest with the Phoenix Suns and their moves ahead of the 1 o'clock deadline. A.J. Perez is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Excited to be popping on out to the KDOS hotline. AJ Perez from Front Office Sports joining us as part of all of the festivities for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. AJ, it's Kayla here with you. How are you on this Thursday? Not too bad, not too bad. It's getting a little, getting a little busier out here now. I can imagine here. So let, let's actually start off with this here. Uh, you're in Vegas. So how is the Super Bowl host doing thus far? Is mostly everyone happy with venues, locations, convenience? And on, on top of that, you know, how did we get here that Las Vegas is home to pro teams and hosting a Super Bowl? Yeah, it's uh, Vegas, a lot of, a lot of, Super Bowl uh, sites, and not not Phoenix, but there's been others where, you know, there's not a lot of hotel space, there's not a lot of options. Uh, Going to bring up Indianapolis and Detroit, um, and so there's a, uh, but but this is this this, this fits. I mean, there they there's going to be more fans than a normal Super Bowl. The Super Bowl here draws about 300,000 people um, each year here already. Now there's even more people, probably in, looking about at least 10 percent, 20 percent more people expected. So, but yeah, they're handling it well, and yeah, this is if you, I started covering the NFL stance towards sports betting 15, 16 years ago. It, it and it's it did change in 2018 with the Supreme Court decision, but uh, I have a story coming out uh, probably in the next uh, next few hours that kind of that delves into how we got here and uh, why we're in Vegas, and uh, after all the all the uh, opposition to, to Vegas and sports betting the NFL uh, historically had. That's over at Front Office Sports for that A.J. Perez story on how we got here with a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. You know, you mentioned covering gambling and uh, how we've also seen the sports leagues really embracing legalized gambling. Has there been any sentiment of fatigue at all uh, with it, uh, you know, from consumers seeing ads during commercials and a thought that maybe the amount of exposure to sports books is uh, something to consider? Or is it still really full steam ahead with this new category? Yeah, um, yeah Arizona is one of the... Uh... Uh, one of the states, only 13 states left that don't have some kind of sports betting. Um, uh, the, and the good news for fans, if they're tired of seeing the, seeing that, 
um, you're going to probably you're probably going to see you'll probably see as much there's about three ads running for the Super Bowl, so there there could be a prop bet whether they're going to show uh, Taylor Swift or uh, total minutes or total minutes of uh, of uh, sportsbook ads because they're going to be about a minute and a half total, I think. So that's uh, I, there there is fatigue. I think you're right. There is also people don't talk about the problem issues of of of, of compulsive gambling, um, the addiction that can uh, you know can really it's 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 very it can be addicting to some, and uh, I think there's we haven't really seen the full fallout. Because uh, that's the, even though the, all these companies talk up uh, responsible gaming, you know there there are downsides as there are to a lot of other things. AJ Perez with Front Office Sports joining us here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. Uh, sticking with gambling for just a minute, you've really had FanDuel and DraftKings as the two big players in the market. Now you have the launch of ESPN Bet. I think that they've kind of risen to third now. Uh, is there enough room in the market for all of these betting operations? Will we see further consolidation? How does that uh, landscape look? Yeah, and now Fanatics, which I'm covering this uh, legal case with a with a with a Fanatics executive that DraftKings is now suing. Uh, it, it's a, yeah, there's uh, with uh, Fanatics also they they're about, they're at 14 states, about the same as ESPN bet. Um, as, as you mentioned, FanDuel and DraftKings have have more states and they dominate the states. Um, but yeah, there's it's there we are we saturated. There's gonna really it's gonna come down to there. Florida has is just starting. But we got Texas and, and California. Those are two big ones that have not started yet. And th- so, uh, so if you're an ESPN bet or if you're a fanatic sports book, those, that's where you can make a big splash. If you're if you're in those two markets early, um, you can catch up uh, at least revenue wise a little bit. So there's a, there's a lot of choices. But the, the the funny thing is here here in Nevada, really the only um, NFL partner that offers gambling is MGM. Um, that MGM um, is the only really one here. That uh, you know, Fanduel Fanduel is not licensed here in in, in Nevada. Same with DraftKings and also um, ESPN. That um, they and, and Fanatics. So there's like so like some of the like the four biggest sportsbooks don't operate here in in the state. AJ Perez, front office sports right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Okay, switching away from gambling and going into something else. Uh, we seemingly saw the success of streaming. With Peacock, with regular season games, and an exclusive playoff game. Then you also have streaming. Thursday Night Football for the last two years has been on Amazon Prime. It has sparked the conversation. How much more of the NFL is going to be going to streaming only? Uh, you had the chance and a select few members of media got to be in a room with Roger Goodell. Uh, what was he saying this week about streaming for the future with the NFL, streaming for the Super Bowl as part of uh, what we could potentially see? Yeah, I mean, the, Goodell said not. He basically said that he will. They, there will not be a paywall Super Bowl, either pay per view or streaming. Um, while he's commissioner, his his contract runs another three years, um, and uh, but there, he, he, he could get he could another, he could get another extension. Um, so we're, I think we're they're probably going to see another game, and maybe next year a second game on streaming only. The Peacock was had the first round game between the Dolphins and Chiefs that was actually did better, even though it was on Peacock where you have to pay for it. It, that game actually did better viewer-wise and much younger uh, fan demographics than the same playoff game the year prior that was on broadcast. So that so that that really was kind of one of the talking points. I'm like, yes, we'll have to pay another pay for something else. Uh, but uh, you know, and it did boost subscriptions too for for NBC Peacock. Um, but so that I think that's 
I think other streamers are going to use that. And then, and then we had the news on Tuesday about this this, this new consortium streaming uh, uh, kind of. We don't have a lot of details yet, and some of the leads and some I, there's some there's going to be some pushback from the leads on this. Uh, this is ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. Uh, they they they're going to launch their, their own streaming service, Sports Focus, to be that uh, when some of those details are still coming out, and we may not know anything from the price to what is going to be allowed to be shown uh, on on that service for a while. But yeah, let's stick with that there. Um, you you did say details were kind of far and few between. They did seem to suggest that they wanted to put linear television as well as their streaming components uh, as part of this massive application all in one location. NBC, Peacock, CBS, Paramount Plus, though, not included. You know, if there isn't yeah. any pushback here, uh, is this the step in the right direction, though, for sports consumers who are now being pulled in numerous different directions, only have a certain pot of money to spend on these sorts of entertainment products? Uh, does this start to move us in a direction to help the consumer or is it continuing to hurt the consumer? Yeah, we, since you don't have the details, including the price, um, I think for the consumers it could be a win. For the leagues, it's going to be a loss. I mean, the leagues are afraid, um, according to my sources, are afraid that this 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 one product will try to, um, if the NBA rights are coming up, for example, um, that and uh, and ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports have uh, have NBA. They're they're they're, they're worried about these networks. Yeah, kind of teaming up, and basically, it would it would lead to it would lead to uh, it would lead to fewer uh, be less money for the league because it would be less less people competing, less people bidding if they if they, if they go with one block with those three. That's uh, so that's uh, so that's kind of where we're at with that. That's interesting because uh, obviously, to me, it seemed like streaming seemed to be the new revelation for sports leagues to obtain more money for leagues rights that going in that direction uh you know kind of pushed uh into a realm of amazon money to push into the realm of apple tv money and almost maybe from uh network perspectives that teaming up together allows them to compete against those other entities yes that's what it is um, so yeah, and it's, and it's kind of the league, and we don't know all the specifics of what the league, the, the current contracts with the NBA, NFL, um, and, and and the other sports teams, what they're allowed to do, because we're still, and we've seen the downfall. You, you can look at Arizona, what happened with the RSN, and the fights over 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 the air rights, and and uh, and and the RSN, you know, Valley's Arizona basically dying because uh, it was too expensive. They said during that bankruptcy for Diamond Sports. That it, to 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 keep going with with the contract without without more streaming and streaming and rights and every contract is different. So you know this is going to be uh, it's gonna be it'll be fun to see where this where this lands up. I'm sure with the next couple of weeks we'll have a lot a lot more details on what this will be all about. Absolutely. AJ Perez, front office sports, providing his uh, perspective on things in sports landscape right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Uh, I mentioned uh, trying for leagues and specifically here for the NFL, trying to obtain new money. And it seems like one of the other ways for them to do that is going in the direction of expanding games outside the country. There uh, is a lot of league excitement about the Friday opener in Brazil. 
Uh, what measurements do you think the NFL needs to keep hitting with these overseas games for them to continue to keep expanding? And maybe we're closer to getting a permanent overseas team. Yeah, and I kind of broke that story in uh, outside Phoenix in March at the owners' meetings. Uh, it was the annual meeting last year, we, where we reported the NFL considering a 14 European division, uh, mostly through, through expansion. But there could be a relocation there, with you know, if if if, uh, if there's a team interested in going. Um, I think they're going to be focusing on they're really focusing on Germany and uh, and the UK. Those are really the most likely for if there's going to be a permanent team outside the US. That's where it's headed. But we also have Brazil. It has has an opening weekend um, coming up uh, this next season, um, and uh, they'll eventually return to Mexico, um, probably probably after the World Cup, but uh, maybe maybe before. We'll see how they, if they get that uh, the stadium the stadium in order that's going through innovations there in Mexico City. So that's it's huge, and 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 the way they're doing this, and this is with the Olympics coming to LA as well. Um, the NFL is really behind flag football. Flag football is going to be a sport in the Olympics. Uh, in, during the summer games four years from now. So they're really ramping up the, the international effort using, um, you know, using the NFL product in general, but also like football um, to kind of help expand into that next frontier. You know, we keep talking about expansion, and uh, to me, it seems like they saw, the NFL saw, what their ratings were on Christmas Day, and obviously it lined up for them with the days of the week following on Sunday and Monday here the last couple of years. Now with it shifting to a different day of the week, I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to try to continue to capitalize here on Christmas Day, and almost to this point, overtaking as many days of the week as possible. There is, though, the 1961 Broadcasting Act that the NFL can't schedule games after 6 p.m. Eastern on Fridays and Saturdays from the second Friday of September to the second Saturday of December. Do we almost feel like, though, we're heading in a position that this act is not going to be able to hold up the test of time? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that, it's how it, there's at, at some point does the NFL stop growing? I mean, that's with the. It doesn't seem like that, and it seems like nothing can stop it. Whether it was the concussion, whether the the concussion um, about 10, 11 years ago with the movie concussion, um, and, and and the other scrutiny there, and uh, that they survived that. They survived. Uh, the, the NFL also survived. Um, you know, the, the kneeling. Not that it was a player peacefully protesting should not have upset as many people, but uh, it's uh, you know there was they survived that. And there's really nothing. The NFL is uh, so huge uh, that it's uh, even the other leagues are using this this week to promote things. It's like you know, especially combat sports. It's pretty amazing how the NFL platform is so big that other leagues, mostly you know, maybe not the NBA, NHL, um, and Major League Baseball so much, but other you know, other other sports leagues, especially in combat sports, that are that are really trying to use the Super Bowl to get to get their word out. Absolutely. One final question here before we let you go. Appreciate your time from a busy week uh, in Las Vegas. AJ Perez, front office sports. Do you have any predictions when it comes to this year's Super Bowl viewership? You're going to have football fans. You're going to have, obviously, the casual fans. You're going to have the people that are just going for party sake. Uh, but now you also have the Swifties coming in mass. So will we see records be broken uh, for Super Bowl viewership this year? I think there's a very good chance. Um, it can come down to how exciting the game is. If there's going to be, uh, there's going to be the casual fan that's going to come in. Um, you know, do you, do you hold their attention um, for for as much time as they needed to be to be uh, counted as a, as, as a viewer? Um, 
it's uh, that's going to be. I think it's, even if it's a blowout, it could it, it could still get close to the most watched game ever. Um, yeah, Taylor Swift it looks like she's coming back from her tour stop in uh, in Tokyo. So um, it's going to be uh, it's. It'll it'll be it'll be fun to see. But a lot of it comes down to how how exciting this game is. That should be should be a good contest. AJ, we really appreciate you taking time with us. Enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you down the road. All right. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Once again, he is AJ Perez, and follow all of his work over at Front Office Sports. Great breakdown uh, as part of all the different things in the media and what's maybe potentially on the horizon. And, of course, we'll have to monitor and see, uh, as he mentioned when we were talking about the streaming services and this big news that dropped this week in terms of uh, ESPN, Fox, and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery teaming up for streaming service, what that all entails and how the future of our sports viewing and our sports viewership is going to look for forward to moving forward. On the other side of the break, though, it's poll question time. We'll also continue forth with our college uh, hoops conversation. We've made it through the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12, so we'll continue some of that on the other side of the break as well. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Twelve thirty-four, right here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, follow us online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. Thanks to AJ Perez for taking some time out of his busy schedule. Uh, part of all the Super Bowl festivities, Super Bowl fifty-eight in Las Vegas. If you missed any of the interview with AJ Perez, going through a whole host of media-related topics, you can podcast it over at KDOS ten. 60.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. But it's time to dive into today's poll questions and we'll get things going here with the KDOS 1060.com poll question, which features who do you have in the Super Bowl, Kansas City plus two or San Francisco minus two? It's a, a question that we'll officially answer tomorrow. Uh, but first up, the masses, uh, San Francisco minus two, 57 percent of the vote, Kansas City plus two at 43 percent. You just kind of give you a summary of the week. Uh, you know, on Monday, you know, the Chiefs plus two was sitting at you know, the sixties, even the high sixties, a couple of times. Yesterday, we had both sides actually on this at uh, at some point, uh, as far as the uh, higher percentage, and uh, it's been back to a uh, you know, little San Francisco, um, you know, action as far as our poll question goes today. I do have one little bit of information here in regards to the Super Bowl 58 here. This game is shaping up to become the most expensive Super Bowl. The average ticket price being reported here at $9,850, which is up 70% from the average ticket price last year in Phoenix. Uh, and then just another historical element. When these two teams faced off against one another in 2020, that was actually the previous most expensive average price, sitting at $6,370. 
Things have changed a little bit. Uh, back in uh, 1988, uh, the Doug Williams game uh, in San Diego. Uh, I was in Southern California with a friend of mine. We were in Los Angeles. So I was you know, visiting on vacation, and we decided the morning of the game, why don't we go down and see if we can get a ticket? And uh, like an hour before the game, it was less than face value. Uh, and then that was the Doug Williams greatest, you know, one of the greatest quarterback games of all time, at least the first half. Uh, and the Timmy Smith had like 200 yards rushing by the end of that game. But uh, things were a lot different back in those days. We just went, drove down the highway and bought a ticket for less than face value for the game. That would have been fun. Now you can't do that. Yeah, it would have been much better if the game hadn't have been over at halftime. But uh, whatever, it, it was. You know, we were there, and that was the. I've you know, been to you know, five Super Bowls, and uh, that's the one I actually went as a quote fan. Well, cool. Um, I, I'm sorry that the game wasn't uh, as intriguing, but it's still cool to be able to check that off the bucket list. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, and I had money on the right side. That was the good news in that game. Oh, there that we was go. All over. Well, that was in a stretch where the NFC basically won for 100 years in a row. So it was just kind of an automatic play. But, uh, you know, it was just a, that game was one of the Broncos. What are they doing in the Super Bowl games? There were several of those, unfortunately, uh, before Elway finally got his championship. <laughs> there we go. So we'll officially uh, answer that question tomorrow. We'll also have our big breakdown of Super Bowl 58. Uh, we'll also have Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We're looking to end the season on a high note uh, with some wins toward the money for charity in addition to you uh, potentially being a winner for the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. So that'll all be in tomorrow extra point tossing this on over to x at kdus am 1060 should the suns be interested in trading for the hornets miles bridges if uh you're just joining the situation for the phoenix suns uh memphis is sending david roddy to the suns for a pick swap a part of a three-way deal uh in addition to that coming back to phoenix is brooklyn nets's royce o'neal to make all of this work memphis is getting uh wanatabi from the suns and also being shipped out is Kita Bates, Diop, Jordan Goodwin, and Metu. So it doesn't look like the Suns will be embarking here on a Miles Bridges trade. Furthermore, he had expressed sentiments to the Charlotte Hornets that he did not want to be traded. So that's where those things stand. My answer to the question, though, is no. Uh, I don't want any part of this. I realize that the Suns, uh, for the aspirations that they have to be a legitimate, true championship contender need to make some uh, some moves defensively here to try to figure out and shore up that start that that rotation, if you will. Uh, but they don't have a whole lot of draft capital to do it, so it kind of limits what's available to them. But I don't think that this is the direction that they need to go, uh, hoops wise or off the court wise. Agreed. Uh, I'll make this really brief. Uh, this would have been a terrible trade had they been able to get him in any shape or form. He's another guy that absolutely positively has to have the ball to be effective as a player. Uh, nothing against him as far as the, that goes. I mean, that's what he does best. And, you know, that, that Charlotte's been smart, and he's been this is, he's having a career season as far as, you know, offensive efficiency and points, et cetera. 
But the the last thing the Suns need is another dude who needs the ball and and Bridges' case isn't the greatest defender of all time. They already have too many of those guys already. Uh, in addition, uh, the fact that you know, I wouldn't want him around I think his off-the-court history is obviously well-documented. I talked about that a little bit earlier uh, during the sports zone today. And uh, the Suns just needed to stay away from this situation entirely. So it's uh, I think it's uh, no matter what they do before the deadline, and I do think that they made one good move and one questionable move to add players, apparently. Uh, but you know, no matter what they do, the, the best thing that happened today for the Suns is they didn't get Bridges. Uh, the masses found themselves in a 50-50 split between yes and no, and that's on X at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, let's continue forth with our college hoops conversation. Uh, in hour number one, we had discussed ASU and U of A. ASU is taking on Colorado tonight, 6 p.m. on FS1. U of A taking on Utah, 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. We also dove into the Pac-12 network. We discussed the ACC. We discussed the Big 12. Let's go into the Big East here. I think locks are going to be UConn and Marquette. Now, Creighton, uh, this is interesting here because uh, teams are only turning the ball over 11% of their possessions against the Blue Jays. So essentially, Creighton is not able to force a lot of turnovers uh, against their opponents. It's one of the reasons they've lost a lot of close games, including last night in overtime at Providence, a very high-scoring game. Yeah, They basically are a five- and six-man rotation they have an excellent shot blocker uh, in the middle, Kalk Brenner. Uh, but other than that, their defense is kind of non-existent, and that's pretty much been the history with uh, Greg McDermott as their coach. Uh, they've been a very good offensive team, and they just tried out score teams. Normally, uh, been going. I, I think we've done a nice job profiting some going against Creighton in certain situations in the NCAA tournament. I kind of want to like them this year because I think that it's going to be, if you have a team that can score, because I don't think there's that many teams in college basketball that can consistently put the ball in the basket, they can do that. I would really like to you know, go you know, be on their side, so to speak, uh, for uh, some of these matchups in the tournament, but they're so bad on defense, and they're really, really not good closing games. So... Bad, you know, bad in both cases there. So Creighton's another one of the uh, list of continuing teams, and I apologize ahead of time because you're going to hear this from me for the next month plus. There are just uh, a whole lot of teams, more than I can remember in recent years, that I don't have much of an opinion on, uh, and I would like to have more opinions uh, heading into the tournament this close to the tournament. The other team I wanted to discuss from the Big East, can Rick Bettino get St. John's into the tournament? They've had a stretch here of five losses out of six games, and it's moved them to a bubble position. They shouldn't be in the tournament. But uh, once again, you have to put 68 teams in. Uh, that would be the only way they get in. Now, another guy, I wouldn't want to play them, though. Uh, obviously, we know what kind of style it's going to be. It's going to be a pressing style. They've got some guys that can score. I think one of the reasons that they've been not good lately, they've got some guys that have unfortunately, and I'm not blaming Patino for this, he has no choice. They've had a bunch of dudes that have had to play a lot of minutes, and I think that some of these guys have hit the wall. Uh, you know, maybe they can uh, you know, regroup and 
there's going to be some time off, but, you know, no matter what. If, you know, I would imagine the, the, the conference tournament's going to be really confusing as far as trying to assess St. John's even further because the conference tournament's in Madison Square Garden. Uh, when, you know, that's a Connecticut home game, uh, Connecticut South, or is there whatever they call it there. Uh, you know, and also, though, obviously, you know, they're very close to St. John's, so you know, there's going to be a predominant uh, you know, St. John's crowd there, too. So I don't know if I'm going to, you know, going to get much of an assessment of the, of the Big East tournament as far as St. John's goes. But uh, they're going to be – I wouldn't want to play them next year or beyond. And, uh, you know, Patino doesn't actually – nobody's ever, including me, and, you know, I think a lot of us don't really respect Rick Patino too much as a human being over the years as he continually gets in – bad situations and does things that you would not want your father to do or anybody you friend of yours to do. Uh, but yeah, the man can coach basketball. I don't think I've ever said anything other than that. And uh, he gets the most out of what he has. Yeah. He obviously came over last off season for Manhattan where he did a nice job there. But uh, I mean, this is just a, uh, I think he's running out of guys, and uh, you know they're running on fumes. Maybe they can re uh, you know re-energize themselves by the time that the uh, the NCAA tournament begins, if they make it. But if they don't figure out what to do in the next two or three weeks here, they're not even going to be a bubble team. Over in the Big Ten, uh, locks Purdue, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Northwestern is sitting as a projected nine seed. I actually think they're a good team. Um, they're another team I wouldn't want to play. Uh, they've got some really good offensive players. Boo Booey, uh, their guard, who I was actually surprised came back and played another year in college. He is, I think, the best. The, the well, I don't know if best is the right word. That he's got the clutch gene of which all the metrics people tell me doesn't exist. Then they've never. You know, those people don't understand basketball because Boo Booey makes more plays the last two years at the end of games than any player in college basketball. And he's done it a couple times this year, including when they won over Purdue at home. Uh, he got to Purdue. They got, they got, they took Purdue to overtime on in the revenge game for Purdue last week. And uh, they've got three or four guys that could put the ball in the basket. And uh, Chris Collins has an excellent coaching staff and they play really good defense they are a, a dangerous team in the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying they're going to like even you know, Sweet 16. Most likely, it, the, is where they would max out. But another team, uh, if for instance, if Northwestern played the U of A in the first round of the NCAA tournament, or even the second, more likely in the second round, I will almost for sure be on Northwestern to win that game. U of A can't defend guards. Boo Booey would destroy them. That's my guy, Boo Booey. Uh, also in the Big Ten, what has happened to Michigan State? They're a projected seven seed, but two losses to Wisconsin, lost to Illinois, Northwestern, and Nebraska with four starters from last year's Sweet 16 team. They're also two and six in games that are decided by single digits. I have no idea. That's one of the best questions of the college basketball season. And I think nobody has a very good answer to this. Including, I'm guessing Tom Izzo. I'm, uh, I would assume that he's pretty perplexed by the whole thing. I don't have any answer to that question. Um, they should be better than this. Uh, you know, I think they were a little fortunate to you know, go as far as they did a year ago. 
Uh, but I certainly, I think that I don't, I can't imagine there's anybody that didn't expect more out of them this year. Over in the SEC, Locks, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, uh, South Carolina is right now projected as a six seed. Yeah, why isn't South Carolina a lock? I mean, I mean they've beaten Tennessee and, and Kentucky in the last two weeks. Uh, they've definitely got better. Uh, I mean, they're also a team that's done a tremendous job in the transfer portal. They play a very deliberate style. Another team you don't want to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they slow the game down. Uh, they don't take bad shots. That's part of that. They also play good defense. Uh, they're exceptionally well coached. Uh, and they're they're good. And uh, they've beaten, yeah, I know the Kentucky is not in the top four of the conference, but, you know, Kentucky is, you know, it, it basically they, they were actually, I believe it was last week, they were ranked 10th in the country and they weren't even in the top four of their own conference standings because they've, they're, they've, we talked about earlier this week, they don't guard anybody, uh, which is just a, kind of a mystery with Calipari. They've got young players, but Calipari has had young players forever. And they've always guarded relatively well, if not really well. Uh, this team doesn't guard anybody, but South Carolina is the question here. Uh, they're good, and uh, they they should be. They should. You know, they're not going to go anywhere. They're they're not going to get worse. I mean, they should be a lock, and uh, you know it would be a stunning development if they are not uh, as good at the end of the season as they are right now. Uh, over in the Mountain West, San Diego State is so far 0-3 on the road against New Mexico, Boise State, and Colorado State. In fact, this whole conference, um, I like watching these games because I have no idea who's going to win most of them. Uh, it's kind of like a mini, uh, you know, not to the level of the Big 12 as far as level of play and excellence, but you you can pretty much watch any Mountain West conference game unless you know, unless Air Force is playing, and it's going to be a pretty competitive game almost every night. Uh, and uh, there's some very good players. There's some. There's uh, there's more NBA players in the Mountain West Conference by far than there are in the Pac-12 Conference this year. Uh, they, there's some excellent players in this conference, and I, I'm a little confused as to why some teams like San Diego State have had had not had more road success. Uh, but uh, you know, once again, and most of these teams play pretty good defense. So you know, for the most part, uh, we'll get closer to the tournament, and maybe I'll have a little better idea. And also, the Mountain West Conference—they've staggered their schedule to the point. It seems like every night somebody in this conference is playing at least one game uh, in the in the conference. So it's kind of a nightly occurrence. So I'm just kind of watching the Mountain West and trying to figure out. Well, what do I think of this team tonight as opposed to what I thought about them last week? And uh, hopefully I'll have a better idea by the time the tournament starts. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting here that the Atlanta Hawks are keeping DeJounte Murray. Sources are telling him so no trade for him as the deadline is approaching here in the next nine minutes or so. We wrap up this edition of the Extra Point on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. 
Wrapping up this final segment of Extra Point on this Thursday, February 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. Bob, it is thank you time. Uh, as always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipping the cracks. Also, our guests, plural today. Super Bowl segment with uh, Matt Derrick from uh, Chief Digest. Got the latest on the injury situation and more from, uh, from Matt. Also, uh, the Super Bowl talk and, and uh, you know, media talk, et cetera, with A.J. Perez of uh, Frontline Sports. Kayla talked to him earlier this hour. On Friday, we'll wrap up our Super Bowl preview. That'll include a 10-15 segment of just a general Super Bowl discussion with Nate Davis from USA Today. 12-15, we'll have a prop bet segment with Kyle Sapi from Pro Football Network. Sound today, courtesy of Fox Peacock. Also, we got to scroll down here. Hopefully, this scrolls out. Okay, there we go. Valley Sports Southwest, ESPN, TNT, the Alabama Crimson Tide for our rat poison thing with Nick uh, Nick Saban, who's now part of the rat poison because he's in the media. Uh, ESPN two also sound today courtesy of. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. And then you're going to have NAU Hoops taking on Montana today. Uh, pre-game over on KAZG 1440 at 5.30 p.m. Tip-off at 6 uh, here on KDOS AM 1060. A couple of things to note before we conclude today's show. First of all, uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open play has been suspended as it is right now. Looking out my window, I have tons of rain, really gusty conditions. I'm going to assume maybe it's hailing at this point up at TPC Scottsdale. Yeah. So uh, things not great. Yeah, I'm in Scottsdale, and uh, you know, I live in an apartment complex. Which uh, it, it, I don't hear it raining unless it's raining really hard, and it was raining really hard like 15 minutes ago. Sahith Tagala right now is leading the way, five under par through 14 holes. Matt Fitzpatrick and Shane Lowry and S.H. Kim are four under par. Our guy Alex Norin, he's in the best possible position here because he is done for the day. Two under par, tied for six. So that means he doesn't have to play any of the waiting game. He doesn't have to deal with conditions when they decide to uh, return to play. So he is done for the day. That's a great spot for him to be. Most of our other guys that we have have yet to start their day. So we'll see how things shape up in that format. Uh, just a couple of minutes to go for the trade deadline in the NBA. Adrian Wojnarowski says the Bucks are trading Robin Lopez to the Kings, uh, sending cash as well in the deal. But Lopez is expected to be waived and become a free agent. He was absolutely awful here in the game against the Suns on uh on Tuesday night, and he had an opportunity to play really the whole game because his brother, uh, Brooke Lopez, was out uh, because of childbirth. And, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez was so bad that game the other night that they pulled him after 18 minutes, and they could have really used him, but he was absolutely atrocious in that game. 
The Pacers are getting uh, Doug McDermott from the Spurs. So those are some trickling in uh, trade rumor or trade deadline uh, events here for the NBA. We'll, of course, get into more of it in a recap tomorrow. The Suns also play tonight. They're hosting the Jazz 7 p.m. on 3TV. But it's Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Looking forward to it.